0: Tony Campolo, here in the United States, talking to all the people who are on the network of Premier Radio. You're all over the place because uh, Premier Radio is all over the place. It reaches into Ireland. It reaches across uh, the United Kingdom uh, in every way. It's in Wales. It's in Scotland. It's all over the place. And more than that, it's on the Internet. It gets to South Africa. It gets to Australia. It gets to New Zealand. And incidentally, If you want to write to me or to Shane Claiborne, you can do so. Write to us uh, either via the Internet and uh, go to our website, which is redletterchristians.org. It'll give you uh, a way to be in touch with us via the Internet. But if you want to send us a regular letter, uh, send the letter to Tony Campolo uh, or Shane Claiborne uh, and send it to Eastern University, 1300 Eagle Road, Saint David's, Pennsylvania, one nine zero eight seven, United States. I answer every letter I get, and incidentally, I got a letter uh, from a very thoughtful person who wanted to know why I was concerned about the UK leaving the uh, European Union, because I, living on this side of the pond, uh, don't really understand what's going on over there because. It looks as though the disruptions are huge. Uh, Economically, it may uh, create uh, privation. uh, There are people who have feared a depression will result from this, that there will be an economic uh, downturn in the economy, uh, that there will be a loss of jobs, that uh, factories will be closing down. The forecasts of alarmists are great. And uh, we over here are saying, well, if, if they're so concerned about these things, why are they going ahead with this? And uh, the answer is that the Brits have voted. Uh, They have uh, let it be known that they want to be out of the European Union. And And I got a very thoughtful letter from a woman who said, you don't understand why we want to be out of the European Union. And here's one good reason. Immigration. We are not against immigration here in the United Kingdom, but we want to be able to control immigration. We believe that our parliament, our government, should be able to control how many people come into this country, and we ought to be able to decide who we want to come and who we don't want to come. We feel we have the right to control immigration for our nation. But because we're part of the European Union, we don't have that right anymore. That the European Parliament decides for all the nations that are part of the European Union, what the regulations are for, uh, for immigration. Uh, well, we now know that individual nations are now establishing their own rules and regulations, contrary to what the European Parliament is dictating. But the people in the United Kingdom say, we feel that the European Parliament has taken uh, privileges and controls on many things, not just on this but on many things, away from the people of the United Kingdom. We don't want people meeting in Belgium, uh, deciding what goes on here in the United Kingdom. That became the rallying cry. That became the argument. Uh, Brits should decide what happens to Brits. And that's that. So in spite of all the disruptions that may or may not come, they say we still want our independence. You know... uh, the fears the fears are there. Uh, the forecasters from academics in universities are dire, to say the least. But let me say, if you're old enough to remember the year 2000, when the year 2000 approached, when we were getting to 1999 and the last couple of days of the year, we were sure that on the, when the clock struck midnight, that all the computers in the, in the world would crash, we were sure that the uh, systems uh, controlled by computers would be disrupted. That airplanes which use computers would be uh, would be all of a sudden out of commission. The fears were all over the place. There was nervousness. People were actually storing food and guns in in their basements, anticipating a holocaust uh, that would soon follow. Uh, they were. Fears all over the place. And uh, lo and behold, uh, it came, and uh, the midnight hour passed, and and nobody even noticed anything changing. Uh, Adjustments had been made, and everything worked out all right. And there are those who are saying, fear not. Fear not. Adjustments will be made, and uh, we'll come through this exiting the European Union in one piece. Certainly, uh, the Prime Minister, uh, Mrs. May, believes that it's possible for us to work out the problems and come up with solutions. She hasn't been able to get anything through the Parliament as of the time I'm putting this program together, but uh, she's hopeful. And there are many people that are hopeful. Be people of hope. Remember the three virtues in the uh, 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And that abideth these three, said the Apostle Paul. Faith, hope, and love. Let's be filled with hope. Let's be filled with love. Let's be filled with charity. This is a good thing to do. This is a good thing uh, to affirm. This is a good thing to hold to. When I'm over in the United Kingdom, something intrigues me. I'll tell you what it is. It's the number of people that still smoke on your side of the pond. I can't believe it. Uh, Every time I pass a pub or go into a pub to get a meal, I almost choke because of the smoke. What is it with you Brits that you smoke? Are you not aware that this is no longer up for debate? There is scientific evidence that shows that you're going to have lung cancer. And uh, you say, well, it's none of your business what I do. Yes, it is. The truth is that when you get cancer, all the rest of us have to pay the bill, especially in the United Kingdom, where you have uh, a national health plan. All of us have to pay the taxes that take care of people who get cancer. And uh, the truth is that cancer is a major cause of death in the United Kingdom as it is here in the United States. A lot of people are smoking here in the United States because they got addicted to smoking. And they'll say, I've tried to stop, but I can't. I always like the line of Mark Twain, the famous American humorist, who said, quitting smoking is easy. I've done it thousands of times. You can see what he's talking about. You make a resolution, I'm not going to smoke anymore. But the urge gets so great that two days later, you're taking another puff again. You say, I'll just smoke this one cigarette and then I'll, I'll be okay." But it doesn't stop there. I understand addiction. You know what? There's help on the way. There's one Christian denomination that offers help for smokers. Uh, It's the Seventh-day Adventist. So I don't care whether you're a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Roman Catholic, an Anglican, hunt up a Seventh-day Adventist church and ask if they have seminars for people who want to break the smoking habit. They have made... Ending smoking, a major issue in their faith. You know, there there are those who say, uh, uh, we, we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't steal. Yeah, we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't steal. These people are saying, you shouldn't smoke. You say, but it's not hurting you. We're finding that breathing in the smoke that other people have exhaled is just as likely to give you cancer as if you were a smoker yourself. Uh, so, uh, Please recognize this. What I find intriguing is in southern states, here in the United States, here in America, in the southern states, places like North Carolina, South Carolina, producing cigarettes is the major industry. So you have all these Baptist fundamentalists who uh, are so against uh, drinking wine Uh, producing cigarettes, even though they know that cigarettes are creating cancer. I often wonder what it does to people who uh, are Christians and spend their lives in a cigarette factory, knowing that what they are producing is giving death and disease to people all over the world. And incidentally, as the rate of smoking has decreased in the United States and has really gone down very, very low, it has increased in poor countries. Against the in the United States, I don't know whether you're aware of this, it is illegal to advertise cigarettes on television. You don't have any uh, cigarette ads anymore, Uh, billboards. You don't have cigarette ads anymore. You can't advertise cigarettes here. So you know what the cigarette companies have done? They've begun to use their advertising money in places like China, which is not a third-world country anymore, and in third-world countries all over the world. So uh, they, they can't advertise here in the United States because the U.S. government, knowing the tremendous social cost of cigarettes, won't let them be advertised here in our country, but they're advertising them overseas. That's... Very, very frightening to think about it. Uh, here in the United States, we find that smoking is very much a lower-class phenomenon. That as people go down on the socioeconomic ladder, i.e., among poor people, smoking is much more prevalent than it is among wealthy people. Better educated people have enough sense to stay off of smoking. When I was a kid... Smoking was condemned by the church. I remember as a boy going to church and having sermons against smoking. We don't have that anymore. I don't think I've heard a sermon against smoking for I don't know how long. But let me just say this. The scriptural passage that was always used was the teachings of the apostle Paul, who said, your body is the temple of the Lord. And it has to be treated as a sacred entity. It must be treated as something that is holy. When you smoke, you are polluting, you are destroying the temple of God. The body is the temple. The body, the physical body. Jesus once said, I dwell not in temples made with hands. God does not dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells within each human being. Each human being has to see himself or herself as a temple of God and has to see himself or herself in that particular position. I want to shift right now. Um, I want to talk about free will. Of all the things that gets debated here at Eastern University, that's where I teach. Eastern University is an evangelical school located on the outskirts of Philadelphia, It's the place where I have taught and where I hold my office even to these days. It's a place where Shane Claiborne and uh, Jonathan Wilson Hardgrove, who is becoming equally famous these days uh, as a Christian speaker, it's where they were educated, it's where I was educated, a really zealous evangelical school just on the outskirts of Philadelphia. I want to say this. Uh, We have an ongoing debate among our students. A lot of them are what we call Calvinists. They follow the teachings of Calvin, and they become extreme Calvinists. And they say that uh, there are limitations on free will. Here's the logic. They go to the scriptures, the 8th, 9th, 10th chapters of Romans specifically, and in those passages you'll read these words. God has foreknowledge. And those who he foreknows, he also predestines. You say, what does that mean? Well, here's the question. If people are saved, that is, delivered from condemnation because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that they depend on what Jesus did on the cross as the basis of their salvation. So on Judgment Day, their claim to being entered into the heavens is God don't condemn me because Jesus took the punishment for my sins. I am freed from the punishment of my sins. Those who say that would ask this question. Does God know before you make that decision that you're going to make that decision? In other words, does God have foreknowledge as to who's going to say yes to the salvation story, and who is going to say no to the salvation story? And the response is, of course God knows. God knows everything. God has foreknowledge. And in the book of Romans, it says that. He has foreknowledge. And then it says, and because he has foreknowledge, He has, he, he, we're predestined. In other words, if God knows I'm going to do something before I do it, can you hold me responsible? Since he knew I was going to do it before I did it, wasn't I predestined in the foreknowledge of God to do what I did? That's scary. Uh, you know, uh, if God if God didn't foreknow I was going to commit a sin, uh, if that would be one thing. But since he knows I'm going to commit a sin, isn't God ultimately responsible for my sinning? Namely, uh, he knew I was going to sin before I ever sinned. If he do that, why did he stop me from doing it? Uh, does foreknowledge uh, maintain predestination? Now, there are many students at Eastern who are extreme Calvinists and believe that there is no such thing as free will in the end, that everything has been predestined. May I say, the only people I know in the world who hold to such an extreme position that are not Christians... Are Muslims they believe if you ever hear a Muslim talk, everything is predestined, namely, everything about your life has been written before you were ever born, and they'll say it's been written that such and such should happen, everything that was hap- everything that happened happens happens in the foreknowledge of God because everything about your life has been written by God before you were ever born. Whoa. I would say this. That to believe in free will is to say God is limited. I think that's true. I think the logic of that is obvious. I do believe that God is limited. You see, that's heresy. Listen to me carefully. I believe that God has chosen to be limited. He has chosen to to give us free will. He has chosen to withdraw total control over what we do, over what we believe, over what we think. He has withdrawn total control and given us freedom. Freedom to make decisions. Freedom to choose to love him, to love his son Jesus, to accept the teachings of the Christian faith. We are given free will. We are given free will. He withdraws his total control. I'm a father. When my boy was very young, I indeed controlled him. I guided where he went, what he did, what he said. As much as possible, I tried to control his behavior. But as he got older and older, I withdrew control and gave him more and more freedom. And there came a point at which I had to say, I am no longer in control of this kid. What he does with his life is his to decide. I'm giving him free will. I'm not going to control him anymore. To not give your child free will is to stymie his development as a person. And so it is with God, the Heavenly Father, he gives us free will because we can't become the loving people that he wants us to be. Love is not constrained. Read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Love is not constrained. It is not controlled. Uh, love is not controlling. Uh, You've got a guy who's very controlling of his wife. Uh, You've got a woman who's very controlling of her children. Uh, that's not an evidence of love. As a matter of fact, that stifles the development of that child and stymies the relationship between the husband and wife. You've got to, in fact, create freedom in order to have love. And so I believe, I believe, that everything is not predestined. Could God control everything? I guess so. All power belongs to him. All power is in his hands. But I am saying... He has deliberately chosen to confine his power and to give us free will. Just as I, as a father, made a decision at a particular point to allow my son and my daughter to choose for themselves, so God gives me the freedom and you the freedom to choose. So you have some decisions to make. Are you going to love Jesus? Are you going to obey the laws of God as you read about them in Scripture? Are you going to become the kind of person that God wants you to be? God gives you the freedom to choose. If you love me, says Jesus, if you love me, you will do whatsoever I command you. What Jesus is saying is obviously clear. There's an if there. If you love me. Well, what if you don't love him? Well, then you won't do what he commands you to do. Herein shall men know that you are my disciples, said Jesus, and you do whatsoever I command you. Now, there are dangers in all of that, obviously. We have so much sin in the world. We have evil in the world. We have wars in the world because people have chosen to live contrary to what God would want them to do and be. Uh, may I say, uh, we have evil in the world because we have free will, but that's the point. Either we are puppets Who are incapable of loving? Or we are human beings with free will who are capable of rejecting the love of God if we decide to do that. I'm going through a very painful stage with my son, although I have to tell you the good news. Last time I talked to my son, which was about a week ago, I'm beginning to see the signs that he's coming back to the faith. He's beginning to acknowledge that supernatural is a possibility. previously he was just a total naturalist which is anything that doesn't fit into the world of nature that i cannot understand with the five senses anything that cannot be mathematically calculated i reject well he's changing and he's finding that there's more things in the universe that transcend science that transcend mathematical calculation that transcend what can be apprehended by the five senses but i've given him the freedom The freedom to say no to everything I believe. To say no to the supernatural. To say no to the Jesus he was brought up to believe in. Many of you have written to me about this because we turned out a book. You can get the book over there in the United Kingdom. The book is entitled, Why I Left, Why I Stayed. He wrote part of the book, i.e., he explains why he left the Christian faith. And I, in response, have written, Why I Stayed a Christian, why I continue to believe the things that I believe. And we went back and forth on our respective positions in this book, Why I Left, left. Why I Stayed. Uh, you can get a hold of that book. You can order it online at Tony Campolo and Bart Campolo, Why I Left, Why I Stayed. He left the Christian faith. I'm seeing signs that he will come back. Every day I pray that he will come back. You say, what good does praying do? if it's all up to him. I believe that prayer is a power. I pray to God, and I believe that something flows from God to my son. I believe that when I pray, something flows from me to my son. You say, it sounds like mental telepathy. Call it that if you want. But there is something that flows out of me to my son. There's something that flows out of me to God and from God to my son and impacts his consciousness and his thinking. So I continue to pray for my son. And you listeners, you could do me a favor if today you would shoot up a prayer for my son. But the Bible says in the book of James, the prayers of the faithful availeth much. Uh, if you're Catholic, you know that St. Augustine became a Christian for one reason and one reason alone. The prayers of his mother Saint Monica. I meet people whose names are Monica, and they don't understand the glory of that name. Monica was the name of Saint Augustine's mother, who prayed this libertine agnostic back into the Christian faith. Would that we all had mothers like Monica. Would that every mother was like Monica and prayed for sons and daughters. Well, this is the end of the show, and this is Tony Campolo asking you to tune in next week to Premier Radio. At this same time, uh, we will uh, be promoting Red Letter Christianity. I want you to go to the website, redletterchristians.org. Read the articles, and there's a place where you can sign on to be a Red Letter Christian. And incidentally, through our website, you can get in touch with me. You say, why would I want to do that? I don't know. Maybe, and this would be wonderful, maybe you would like to invite me to speak at your church. Pay my expenses and I'll be there. Uh, You say, what if we're in the United Kingdom? Pay my expenses and I'll be in your church. I'm glad to go out and speak. I love speaking, preaching the word of God whenever I get the opportunity. So be in touch with me because I want to be in touch with you. And tune in next week to this show from across the pond. And uh, I expect that Shane will be back on the show with me next week. He's on a tour across the country right now, speaking and preaching. God bless you, and may God's face shine upon you. In his name, have a good day. Blessings.